this is Pastor Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I don't know how you found us, <laughs> but you're here, and I'm very happy you're on our podcast today. I'm recording this on Sunday, November 15th, 2020. Well, we started a series last week entitled Pilgrims in Babylon. That is, that we are making our way as believers in Christ to the heavenly city, but we're going through Babylon, this evil world system that is not a friend to grace and not a friend to anyone who loves Jesus Christ. So pilgrims in Babylon, maybe you're a pilgrim in Babylon along with me today. Maybe you're not, and as you hear this today, you will want to join our our happy band as we make our way to the celestial city, to heaven, to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And we would welcome you to do that. And you'll learn more today about how to do that. Well, the Chinese say, may you live in interesting times. Man, have we got that 10x, amen? We live in interesting times. So we're talking today about pilgrims in Babylon. And we're talking about the fact that pilgrims in Babylon are people of the book. You know, we are witnessing lying on an industrial scale after seeing the election fraud right in front of our own eyes. You know, it's incredible how quickly in one week a false narrative is being relentlessly reinforced by the media. Many of us are working and praying for God to intervene for the future of America, the future of freedom. Because let me tell you something, friends, whether you're Republican or you're Democrat, if we find out that our votes can be manipulated and no longer matter, we are in big trouble. And I want you to think about what I said and the implications of that for years to come, decades to come. Back in World War II, at the beginning of World War II, the British Army was trapped at Dunkirk on the shores of France as the German Army closed in upon them. And a, an urgent message was sent out from the commander of those forces. And he said, we need to be delivered immediately or we will, we will all die. But if not... And that's all it said, but if not, what did he mean? Well, you'd have to know a little bit about the Bible to figure out what that meant. He was referring in that communique, but if not, to the three Hebrew boys who faced the edict to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's idol or face the fiery furnace. Well, they chose to stand for God. So they were cast in the fiery furnace. But they told the king before that, our God is able to deliver us, but if not, we will not bow to your stupid idol, King Nebuchadnezzar. So he threw them in there, but God was with them, and they were delivered, and this turned the heart of Nebuchadnezzar to recognize God. But there does come a time sometimes where we have to utter that phrase, but if not. I want to tell you something. Regardless of the outcome of the election, I'm a pilgrim right now on my way to heaven. I'm a pilgrim walking through Babylon. 
And I'm still going to be that regardless of the outcome of the election because my inner happiness, my joy, my eternal future is not dictated by political parties or election results. Nevertheless, as a good citizen right here in America, I'm concerned for our country. Now, we may go through suffering. You know, I'm I believe the Bible teaches that Christ will rapture the church prior to the seven-year period, the 70th week of Daniel, called the tribulation period, where the Antichrist is revealed and a massive global government oppresses the world. But that doesn't mean that we as pilgrims in Babylon might not have tribulation, small t, before the tribulation and I want to talk with you about suffering. What, what might that look like? Well, our God-given rights to free speech could be removed, and we may suffer for that. Our God-given rights to self-defense, to peaceably assemble, the right to worship, the right to provide for our families, the right to be secure in our personal papers, and on and on. The things that we as just basic human beings, and certainly as Americans, we have always cherished and prize because these rights are not given to us by our government. They are given to us by God. Now, nevertheless, we live as pilgrims in Babylon, this evil, wicked world system that's rushing as rapidly as it can to global government, where the United States of America is simply absorbed into an oppressive global government that the Bible predicts. In fact, it will be this final human government that the world is trying right now to set up that Christ will demolish when he comes back in the second coming, as Daniel the prophet told us. But you know what? I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. And the Lord could take his church out of this world any time he wants to, as he promised. So regardless of the election outcome, we know even though the world is rushing to global government and we may suffer on the way, we're pilgrims traveling through Babylon and we need confidence. The Apostle Peter, let me remind you, as I pointed out last week, that Peter was just an average guy. He was a hardworking fisherman in Israel when the Lord Jesus Christ came to the earth. And as the Lord began his earthly ministry, he called Peter from being just a fisherman to be a disciple, a mathetes, a learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter moved from not only being a fisherman to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's where some of you are today. But at the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, after the resurrection, and as the church began to, the church was born and it began to grow, we see that the Lord made Peter not just, not just a disciple, but then he was an apostle, a hand-picked representative, representative, rather, an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ to this world who would be inspired to write scripture, which we're going to read here in just a minute, that the Lord inspired Peter to write. But even beyond that, Peter was a sufferer and eventually a martyr. Peter was jailed. Peter was beaten. 
And as the Lord prophesied, Peter was crucified, and that's how he left this world to enter heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter writes to us today, uh, before those final things took place in his life, obviously. Now, pilgrims in Babylon are people of the book. Sir Walter Raleigh was an English poet and scholar. He lay on his deathbed and he called for the book. His servant asked, which book? Sir Walter Raleigh said, there's only one book. Bring me the Bible. Around 303 AD, the Roman emperor Diocletian, who was full of himself and demanded to be worshipped, said that every copy of the Bible in the Roman Empire was to be burned. Well, about 328 AD, after all of this, the next Caesar, Emperor Constantine, you know what he did? He paid a scholar named Eusebius to prepare 50 copies of the Bible at Roman government expense. Wow. French atheist humanistic philosopher Voltaire boasted that within 50 years of his death, the Bible would be extinct. 50 years after Voltaire's death, the Geneva Bible Society bought Voltaire's house and started printing Bibles in it for the whole world. Voltaire's still dead, but the Bible lives. Bernard Ram said in his book, Protestant Christian Evidences, a thousand times over, the death knell of the Bible has been sounded, the funeral procession formed, the inscription cut on the tombstone, and committal read. But somehow the corpse never stays put. I love that. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said this, God's word never dies. God's word never changes. There are some who think we ought to get a new gospel every few years or even every few weeks, but that was not Peter's notion. He wrote, and he was divinely inspired to write, concerning the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Former gang leader Frank Williams had a 45 caliber pistol pointed right in his face with a threat to quit preaching Jesus and saving gang members in Birmingham, Alabama. And then Frank Williams pulled out his 66, you know, the Bible, 66 books, pulled out his 66 and pointed it right back and kept preaching Jesus. It is this word, the truth, and a Babylon of lies that we must hold on to in suffering. And we can do that. Let's go right to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to start in, in verse 1, which we covered last week, verses 1 through 9. But let's read all of it all the way to the end. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, 
grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. All right, we read all of that last week. Now we go to verse 10 through the end of the chapter, and let's, that's what we're going to look at today. So let's read this, verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, 
See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Wow, the Word of God. We have to have the Word of God as we make our way through this Babylon of lies, this wicked world. And this Word of God, as we've just seen, gives us confidence. And I don't know how much before today you've thought about the value and the power of the Word of God, but listen, let me give you four things as we go through the rest of this message. All right, here's number one. This word reveals our Savior. We saw that in verses 10 through 13. Let's go back and look at that again. Verses 10 through 13. This word reveals our Savior, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it is, it is this word that reveals our Savior. The angels are intensely interested in what the Word says about the Lord Jesus Christ, about salvation, because, see, angels cannot be saved, right? But people fall, and they can be saved. The angels are extremely interested in people responding to this good news of Jesus Christ. Christ came to suffer, he, he was crucified, he died, he was buried, and he resurrected the third day. And after 40 days with the disciples on the earth, he ascended victoriously back to heaven. He paid the price for your sins and mine. All who trust in him are cleansed and forgiven of their sins, and they are born again because of Jesus Christ. Listen, we would not know of Jesus Christ without this word, the Bible. There was a man named William Murray who was an attorney, and he also happened to be the, fame, uh, the son of the famed atheist Madeline Murray O'Hare. Well, in his adult years, completely disillusioned with atheism and communism and all this nutty stuff his mother was involved in, William Murray was at the end of his rope. He was in a hotel room in San Francisco. 
he just had no more hope for life. And he went out into the night and he was looking for a Bible. And this was late at night in San Francisco. What are the odds he would find a Bible? He found the only bookstore that was open at that time and it was a porn store. He went in and asked the clerk, do you have a Bible here? The clerk laughed at him and said, yeah, there's one over on that table. And so he went over to the table and he dug through the pornography on top of it. And beneath all of that, William Murray found the Bible. He was saved after reading the Bible and he wrote the book, My Life Without Christ. You can still get that book. You ought to read that book if you are in a position like William Murray was. And he was, by the way, the student. Uh, his mother filed the Supreme Court case and uh, prayer and Bible reading was removed from public schools. It was his mother that did that. You know what he does today? He preaches Jesus Christ. This word reveals our Savior. This word requires our separation. That is, when we come to Christ, we, we, we become holy in Him, and we are to live holy lives. Let's go back to verses 14 to 17. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. You know how you used to live, right? But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That word conversation means living, our lifestyle. All of our lives should be characterized by a holiness that God creates in us when we're saved. Verse 17, or verse 16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. You know, we're, we're pilgrims traveling through the, this wicked Babylon, this world system that is against God. And because we realize we will one day give an account for our Christian life to the Lord, it, that, that motivates us even more to live holy lives that we might, we might be commended and not condemned. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're going to be evaluated too. The difference is you do not have an attorney with the Father. You do not have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose sacrifice covers your sin, pays for your sin. So you will answer for your sin, and there's nothing you can do about your sin without Jesus. But Christians have the Lord Jesus Christ as our advocate before the Father. But listen, when we think about that we, we are saved and we need to have a life that is separated, and I want to give you some examples of that. When Jesus comes to town, everything changes for God's glory and man's good. And that's true. In the Welch Revival in the early uh, 1900s, right at the turn of the century, in the Welch Revival in Wales, the revival completely transformed entire cities. Dirty towns were literally cleaned up. I mean, they looked clean. 
the people cleaned up. Their language cleaned up. All of Wales was transformed when Jesus came to town. Listen, if you're a Christian today, but before you were a Christian, you were a miser. You, you Truly, the truth is you loved money. If you were a miser, now you were generous. If you were addicted to drink and drugs, now you're free to serve Christ. If you were self-centered, now you're sharing the gospel with the unsaved. This word requires our separation. And when Jesus comes to town, everything changes. But the third thing I'll point out is this word reframes our suffering. So let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. And first, I want to read verse 11. It says here in verse 11, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand, and here's this little phrase, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. All right, so we've read that verse 11. Now let's read verses 18 to 22. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, that is your useless life, <laughs> from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, you know, the religion they follow. I, I see a lot of people that have a lot of religion and they're lost. They're trapped in their sins and they do not know Jesus. Religion will not save you. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ will save you. Verse 19, but with the, how, how were we saved? And 19 tells us, but with the precious blood of Christ, when Jesus Christ shed his blood, he gave his life on the cross as a living sacrifice for our sins. We were able to be saved, amen. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, like one of those sacrificial lambs offered at the Jewish temple, except he, he was the lamb of God, John the Baptist said. Verse 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. See, it isn't that man fell into sin and the Lord said, oh boy, what are we going to do? That's not it. The Lord always intended for Jesus Christ to come and save us. How does that work, Pastor Ed? I can't even explain all of that, but I, I also don't understand electricity, but I do turn on the light. Amen? So, God God wasn't caught by surprise by our sin. He always planned for God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, for him to come as our sacrifice. Wow. Verse 21, Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. My hope is not in President Trump, or who wins the election, or what happens to America. Now, all of that is very important to me because I care about freedom. But listen, no matter what happens, our faith and hope is in God and God alone. Verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth 
through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. You know, an interesting thing happens when someone gets saved. In fact, it happened to me. Even though I've been raised in church and I just assumed I was a Christian, I've been baptized and all that as a child, um, I, I realized when I was about 16, I wasn't saved. Well, I got saved, and that's that's a great story. I'm not going to take time to tell it right here, but I got saved. You know what I did the very next week that I had not been doing? I went to I went to church. <laughs> when you get saved, you want to be with other people who love the Lord. You love them now. See, before you get saved, you can't stand Christians. You don't like church. You only go when you have to, to a funeral, to a wedding. What a drag. Amen? <laughs> but when when you get saved, something happens in you. You start to love those who love Christ. And he says here, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Make this a important thing in your life that you, you care for, minister to, and love those who love Jesus. So, so we've seen this word reveals our Savior. This word requires our separation. This word reframes our suffering. And we just saw that there. Christ suffered. And he suffered for us, and we gladly suffer. Now, now watch this. We don't suffer for him. Oh, no, that's true. But I want you to think even greater than that. Christ suffered for us, and we gladly suffer with him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's from the 23rd Psalm. We're not in this alone. We're in this with him. Amen. This word reframes our suffering. When we go through trials, it's not so that we'll just have a hard time and suffer. It's the Lord proving the faith that he's put in us and that we are the real deal because of Jesus this week, as I was thinking about the chaotic mess our country's in right now. And by the way, for those of you listening, say, what mess? Joe Biden is the president-elect. Uh, you need to go back and read your Constitution. You should have stayed awake in history class. He, he's been said to be president-elect by the media. Well, let me tell you what the truth is. The truth is, as I record this today on Sunday, November 15th, you know how many states have officially certified their vote? Three, five, 20, Pastor Ed? Zero. So far, no state has certified their vote. So they have to certify their vote. Then the electors go uh, to Washington, D.C. and cast their vote on December 14th. And then that's when, that's when the election is formal. However, if there are irregularities, which are definitely have been in the election, and court cases are pending, we don't know who's going to be the next president. And I don't know if you know this, if you only listen to mainstream media like CNN, MSNBC, uh, the other, you know, the alphabets and all of that, big tech, all of that, 
what I'm about to say, you're going to think I'm nuts. But Joe Biden is not the president-elect yet. He may end up being. But did you know that President Trump has won several court cases in a row that put him in a position that he will be declared potentially the actual winner of the election when the, when the fraud is corrected? So anyway, I don't want to argue with you about it. I'm just saying, you know, wake up. We'll see what happens. But anyway, I was thinking about the mess we're in. Because let me tell you something. The leftists, I'm talking about the street soldiers, uh, Antifa, BLM, Inc., and many others. Here's the next page in their playbook. You can write this down and see what happens. If, if Biden sails through and gets elected, then, you know, okay, great. Uh, even they'll be surprised they won. But if President Trump wins the election, write this down. Cities are going to burn and so are suburbs and people will die. How do you know that? Because that's, they've already told us. We've read their playbook because they, we know what it is. That's the next page. And all of this chaos about the election, by the way, was also part of the playbook to create as much chaos as possible so that people lose faith in the electoral system. Well, they did a great job on that. Anyway, we know about your stupid playbook, leftists. Anyway, I was thinking about all this, and I reminded myself, you know, hey, I care about the election, but my happiness, my joy, my future with Christ is not determined by the election. And I was thinking about a song. In fact, I started singing it out loud in my Kia Soul, you know, the hamster mobile. And I'm a pretty good singer. I'm no opera singer, but I sing pretty good, I think. I just don't like to do it publicly. But I sang this out loud to the Lord, and it just it filled my heart, and it was great. And you might know this song. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. It was written by some quaint guy named Martin, what's that last name? Martin Luther, yeah. Martin Luther, you know, I don't know, like almost 500 years ago in some country called Germany, and it had something to do with the Protestant Reformation or something. Hey, he, Martin Luther's life was on the line, Bubba. Listen to what he wrote. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper, he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. That's talking about Satan. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man. That's Jesus, capital M. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, 
That means the Lord of the host of heaven, the Lord of the armies of heaven. Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them, abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Now listen to these last three lines. This is what I zeroed in on. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Wow. I've made up my mind with the strength of God, I can't do it on my own, that no matter what, I will not turn from Jesus Christ. Here's the fourth thing. This word reassures our salvation. Let's look at verses 23 to 25. And you have, you have been such a great student and listener and sharer with this for hanging in here. Verse 23, being born again, that's us, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, cannot die, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass. He's quoting Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8 right here. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This word reassures our salvation. With God's word in our hearts and minds, we have confidence in him because we know him and know his plan. Amen. I hope that you're encouraged today as a pilgrim in Babylon to be and to know that we are people of the book. If you're not in our company, you're not a pilgrim, but you're thinking about it, Listen, you can call 888-537-8720 to get your spiritual questions answered and perhaps give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. 888-537-8720. And I want to encourage you today. It's as simple as, as admitting, confessing that you are a lost 
hopeless sinner and that without Jesus Christ, you are on your way to hell. When you realize the trouble you're in, you can bow your heart right now and confess your sin and your need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in the Bible, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can do that right where you are. But you can call that number and get spiritual help. And if you come to Christ today, you can get help in growing in your new Christian faith. Well, I'm, so again, so pleased and amazed you joined us today. Imagine that, how God led you here. Thank you for listening. I want you to tell others about our podcast. We're found in many places where people can get podcasts. But, hey, the easiest way is just tell people, hey, type in the search bar, dredhill.podbean.com. It's simple, dredhill.podbean.com. And invite others to join our pilgrim band as we make our way through this Babylon of lies to heaven, the celestial city. God bless you today. May you come to Christ if you're lost. May you grow in Christ if you're saved. Bye-bye.